Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is a Thursday edition. I think it's going to be a good show for you. And my name is Jake Burns, obviously the host of this show. We're going to have a great guest on here in just a moment. I want to remind you of a couple things at the OBR, as I always try to do. We had the OBR Weekly on the Twitch last night, and Barry and Fred did a great job with that. Fred obviously covering OTAs live in person, watching the Cade York Kickathon. He had plenty of thoughts on that and some other things that popped up from another day where the media could watch practice. He had an article up on Donovan Peoples-Jones, notes on, like I said, Cade York, John Johnson the third talking to the media about the circus that is going on around the team right now, and then some things on Demetric Felton as well. We continue to update the timeline of the Deshaun Watson legal situation, which we will talk about in just a minute. Otherwise, another topic we covered that we'll cover in this podcast is Baker Mayfield is excused from minicamp, and then Cody Sook did a great job with the AFC North player rankings, ranking the top running backs in the division. Not every single one, but looking at the top four and kind of putting them into rankings. So that is out there for everybody to consume. Should you choose, we have our first uh, Thursday night episode of the Mailbag Edition of the Twitch show. So you can submit questions through the OBR's uh, Twitter account. You can answer that there, or you can go into ATI and ask your questions. We'll have those answered live on the show as well. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's continue to jump to as many different topics as we can in this stretch. It's a tough stretch, as I've continued to allude, June and July, where there's a lot of moving parts. And listen, th- some of the things we have to talk about right now are uncomfortable, and we're going to do that a little bit here. Um, but but for the most part, we hope to get to some more fun stuff late into June and July before training camp gets here at the start. Uh, it really actually gets here at the end of July. I think I haven't seen the official dates yet. They haven't been announced, but it's usually in July. So we'll get to some more fun stuff, continuing to look at some of the prominent talking points around minicamp. And, you know, obviously minicamp next week is one of the last team committed sessions that we get where we can actually have some coverage and look at how things might might look. And I wanted to bring on a guest today who I think does a really nice job of breaking down, talking about the Browns, giving giving some points, different different opinions, different takes, which I always I always love that. I love challenging, you know, almost challenging the mainstream thought. And I, I think that's what's drawn me to Marcus, uh, some conversations with him over the past year or so. So he's at Marcus Harvey underscore. And then he is a draft database editor at R&D Scouting, does a great job around the draft. But much more than that, with some with some dialogue and discourse around the Browns. Marcus, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you for having me tonight. Of course, man. Let's let's talk real quick. So here's something that that I've covered on this pod, man, and I've covered in in different conversations, uh, publicly, not public. To me, the, talking about Deshaun is no win situation right now. I really don't think anybody benefits all too much from it. I think it's a pretty obviously ugly situation that could still sort itself out in ways we don't know. But it's it's ugly and it's very one sided. And we've seen the things continue to grow. I I personally did not think we were going to get here. Um, I did not think we were going to continue. Like I thought the 22 situation was going to be the worst of it. It continues to grow. What it does is puts a really weird cloud over everything. I think like, you know, you, you probably have people talk to you about the Browns in your day life. Like, you know, people know what I do for a living. So they'll ask me about things. And it's like, I'm just sick of talking about it. I'm sick of talking about this situation with him. I'm sick of talking about everything surrounding it. And I just wonder I guess let me let me phrase it this way. If the Browns did their homework, which we we were led to believe they did, and they knew this was coming, it's hard to believe that they were out in front of it. It's hard to believe that they were prepared for it, right? They've 
It's just been a really weird run of two weeks here where we all thought the worst had already happened and it was just a matter of the civil cases. But it's pointing toward, you know, suspension's coming, we think, but it's pointing toward an ugly conclusion where it almost feels like Deshaun has to settle or if he doesn't settle, this is going to, this potentially lingers for multiple years. And I don't see how that benefits anybody, man. I really, I really don't see how that benefits anybody in this situation, letting this run out for multiple years, because if they do, I think Marcus, man, it's got the potential to wear on everybody involved. And I just think that it can get to the point where it lingers so long and it's so tedious and tough and challenging mentally for everyone that it can, it can take everything off the rails. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, I would totally agree with uh, much of the sentiment that you shared. For me, like this Watson situation is uncomfortable, right? Um, as a fan, being a fan of this organization of Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski, whatever brought us to, to this team um, and continues to bring us to this team is, is challenged. And there's not a whole lot that an individual fan can do, can say, because we're not in the decision-making uh, like loophole, right? We, we didn't have the information. We don't know to the extent. And so, so much of it becomes speculation um, with good reason uh, from, from all parties. And that's what makes this like time right now and the ever-changing new information that's brought out to the public each day. Uh, so, so fueled with, emotion um to me honestly um so i think that's the way to put it i mean you know you'll have these people who talk about i'm leaving and i I don't blame anybody who takes their fandom other places your need to announce that you're leaving the browns is kind of strange and attention hunting stuff but uh um you know i don't i don't blame people for feeling any kind of way it's just been an interesting timeline where you know there's these 22 cases and it's, it was almost a preview of everybody sort of almost mentally moving on. And then more details come out. It gets worse because you learn things. And then now all of a sudden you got people, it's like, well, was it ugly? It wasn't ugly enough to start that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's the thing there. It feels like there's no end in sight in terms of the moving on process for anybody involved. And that's where it gets really ugly And what you have right now is a bunch of people having these conversations around Baker Mayfield, right? They'll say, well, hey, they they, call call Baker and he doesn't want anything to do with them. Or this attention hunting tweet that's out there from several different, air quotes, well-respected NFL people who are like, wouldn't it be great if Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, said F you to the Browns when they tried to bring him back or he plays the year and he goes to the Super Bowl. It's like, Okay, man, are you hunting for engagement? There is not. And listen, this this is me, Marcus, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I was just ready to be done with Mayfield. The Mayfield ready to be done with situation for my end was not um, was not tied to their decision on who was next. I was just ready to be done. They clearly felt they had to risk it all here to be done. They they risked it all. They they put themselves out there far beyond what I think any of us anticipated. But my feeling as this has happened with Watson and more things have come on and come on and come on as of late is I have no man. I wish they would have fixed it with Mayfield feelings. I, I like I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett shrugging my shoulders, which we'll talk about more here in a minute and just being like, OK, I'd, I'd rather just have something different. 
I think it's a, it's a little bit of an amazing thing where, you know, the Deshaun stuff is getting so ugly that it's overshadowing a lot of the things that Baker, uh, a lot of the things that, that drove a fork between Baker and the franchise. So we're some people are forgetting that or some are willingly ignoring it. And that's going to happen, right? That's going to happen because, you know, the most recent news is what you think about the most. But I just find all of those Mayfield tweets funny. He was obviously excused from from, from minicamp. No, I don't think there was any doubt that was going to happen, even though Stefanski didn't want to elaborate on it at the golf outing earlier this week. I just have no remorse about moving on from Mayfield. Now, the decision for Watson is different, separate. I understand that, but like, I don't sit here and think, man, they really blew. I was just ready. I have no, it's just me. You guys out there listening to this might have a different opinion. I just was ready to move on from Mayfield. So seeing all these people try to do the, I think it's pretty obvious the Browns too, aside from their decision on Watson, had no desire to continue to roll with the Mayfield thing. So I find those, those tweets kind of funny. I find the situation around those uh, those people who think somehow, some way, Mayfield's going to... I think I have a better chance of starting quarterback this year for the Browns than Mayfield does. That ship has long sailed, man. Yeah, um, I would agree uh, with a lot of the, the things that you just were able to share there. Um, the the Mayfield situation, I, I, I can't... Like, reflecting on last year, and I know, like hindsight's 2020 and whatnot but the moment that it couldn't continue on for me was the Detroit Lions game when Tim Boyle and Baker Mayfield were going I don't I guess you call it punch for punch in that game but the overthrow of Landry and then a few weeks later uh, the Christmas Day performance sealed like as a competitive team with aspirations in this league seeing that level of quarterback play I know injury affected some of it but there was a role that Mayfield played in making sure that he was out on that field uh, to under the NFLPA, um, you know, finding a secondary doctor to clear him. So, and, and with that all, like calling out coaches and teammates along the way, it, it just soured it. And I know like this whole next journey is a difference. Like there was a move on from Mayfield. Mayfield said it himself, like the minute, uh, Stefanski and Barry and the rest of the crew that went down to Houston stepped off the plane. Uh, he sent that message and it was over from there. So, um, yeah, it's ugly, man. It's it's real. It, it, that that situation is not going to get repaired. I, I think we just need people to to really understand that. And and again, the Watson thing separated. It's not like the thing that is the most. This is going to be a hot take. I mean, it might make some people mad. I don't know. Whatever. I just wish Mayfield was better so that the Browns didn't feel compelled to do this. I think that that's something that will drive me a little bit crazy is, is they were so over what they were dealing with at quarterback that they were willing to do this. And they, although they've, you know, ducked a lot of the questions and I understand that like, Stefanski keeps I think he's even saying today respect the process and they have been absolutely crucified in the media they had to know that was coming right man like they knew that was coming how the media was going to handle them because this is not a normal case 22 now morphed into 25 maybe 26 here is not a normal situation so they obviously knew 
they're sitting they're smart guys they're sitting in the room they know they're going to get crucified but they were so over their quarterback situation that they ultimately said you know this is worth it this is worth it we can we would rather do this than deal with what we dealt with last year and that again is a hard truth i don't think many people want to understand if mayfield was just better just better from every angle he needed to be as a quarterback with the franchise they would have kept him. They would have figured it out. But they were so driven away by what happened over the course of the last four years. You know, and I know Barry's only been there two years, but they were so driven away that they were willing to go to the depths that they went here because they were just so smitten with what happened. They they were over it to the extreme. And I don't think people talk about enough about, at least in my opinion, Marcus about how much this reflects what they thought of Baker Mayfield, because if he, and again, like this is just this, it's what other evidence do we have at this point, other than the fact that they, they were as, as ready to be done with him. And I think a lot of people seem to think that they were going to go try to fix that relationship. There, there was always a clear understanding that they were going to get crucified by going out and getting Watson. And they still, didn't care at all, you know, like that's, that's the thing that is pretty amazing to me as I sit here and people continue to do this stuff with, with, with the Mayfield picture. And I get, I'm really not trying to, to put these two in comparison as people. I'm not doing that. What I'm trying to say is there's a huge amount of evidence here, Marcus, that they were as done with a quarterback as they could possibly be. And the decision to bring Deshaun to Cleveland and give him what they gave him is the biggest indicator of all, right, man? I, I think we're focusing in on a lot of Cleveland, and I know both of us have our Cleveland bias per se, but there's a long list of people uh, asking to talk with Watson and Wat- and the potential of Watson. And so uh, I think as a, as a whole, as a league, um, it speaks to a larger problem that isn't just isolated to the Browns. If we talk about process versus outcome, you'll find that the Browns had, you know, this outcome, right? But if you talk about the process and how 13 other teams requested interviews and how uh, three teams were, were there giving offers all the way to the end um, for, for the same person with the same information, right? Uh, at the end of the day, all of these teams are saying the same thing uh, and that, you know, the the winning a football game uh, to them in the leadership groups that that are taking these charges uh, reigns all, and um, that's that's the unfortunate part about this league. But you see that you know across business, um, and the NFL is a business, so that's just the downfall um, of where like the moral and the ethics kind of fall to the wayside. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think, too, I wanted to to hit on this earlier, but I went blank during the start of this pod is like, you know, we have this is me personally. I shouldn't say we I have this thing where, you know, I, I started doing this in 2017 because I cared about the Browns. You know, you don't you don't just start doing your coverage angle or whatever it is you choose to do to try to make, you know, make make some money out of this, make it a job unless you have some fandom, right? You don't just pick the, it'd be weird back back then, especially to just pick the Browns. Um, But in, so my instinct is anytime I see somebody bag on the Browns for a decision over the years is to try to justify it. I think that's just our DNA. I think that's like how we're made as fans is, is trying to justify the decisions that your organization makes either because you have, it could be one of two things. I try to do this pretty, I think pretty objectively and I'm hard on the Browns when I think they deserve to be treated, uh, you know, harshly for bad decisions, but you, you know, so if somebody's trying to make a claim that I think is just wrong, you don't understand their thought process. I'll defend it. Or sometimes you'll think like, Hey man, I, I care about this team and I, my natural inclination is to support the decision they make. And that's sometimes wrong. And I think I try to fight that as best I can. Uh, sometimes not so well, sometimes better than others. But this is the thing that's really hard is that you take a lot of pride in that. You get a lot. That's a lot of the NFL fun, right, Marcus? Like you get to defend your team and the decisions they make. And, hey, here's why it actually wasn't stupid or anything. You know, you don't understand or whatever other angle you want to take on this. But like there you you typically like to stand up for your team and, and supporting them as a thing. And even though I'm an analyst, sometimes that can creep in. And I like I said, I try my best. But the thing about Watson here and what makes this particular time so challenging is you can't, you can't do that. There's no winning. I tried to illuminate that on the Monday podcast about wasting your time arguing with people about whether it's Deshaun's contract or whether it's what other, there's other things out there. Like the Browns are pretty heavily slammed for the Njoku deal. Uh, many things like you just, you can't argue with anything Cleveland right now because there's just a shallow perspective. There's a, very negative stigma and you especially can't argue anything like there was about a month ago as things were sort of quiet there was uh, some discussion about the best quarterbacks in the AFC North and arguing over Lamar and Deshaun and some of these other quarterbacks and it's like man you really can't argue anything about Deshaun because then you look like you know you look like the bad guy you look like you're supporting something or whatever so it's just it's just become it becomes taxing it becomes really hard to enjoy and I do worry about how much we're going to be able to enjoy that stuff. Because whether we want to admit it, like debate of these, these teams and all of that is a huge part of why we like doing this. You know what I'm saying? And I would say that 
that's true with football more so than any other game, right? Like what game do you practice more in a week in a season than you actually get to play or get to perform? Uh, and then you look at this that we all follow year long. And I, I'm thinking about the Browns every day in football and the different concepts and different things about the game every day. But then it turns out you only have 17 chances on a field to show who quote unquote you are right. Um, and perform as a team. So that's what makes so much of this banter and discussion and argument or whatever that, that word is to you. Um, such, such a close thing to so many fans. And that's where, you know, a situation where we're now in, in June and going into July with very little to talk about football related, right. Um, that that's where this is, is beginning to, you know, fill all of those discussions and um, those are difficult discussions to, to have. So it's just not as fun. And I think that part of it can kind of, can kind of stink. It just, it's, it's uh it's an unpleasant thing. And as more and more things have come out, it just becomes harder and harder to envision it being that kind of fun again. So it's a bit, I mean, it's a, it's, it's definitely a first world problem. It's just a ticky tack complaint, but when you do a pot every day, you have to talk about Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff. It just becomes less fun. And what you want this to be more than anything with any job is fun. So it's, it's challenging. And the Browns put themselves in a position in their franchise that I would say is the single most divisive thing that has happened to the franchise since they decided, you know, not that they decided, but this was a while ago, but it was the the decision to move. This is the single most controversial thing, in my opinion, that is either going to divide. It, it, it is dividing fans. You're losing fans. It is a pre Deshaun Watson decision and a post Deshaun Watson decision. I think that is, that is just the reality of the whole thing. So, um, we probably covered this this topic well enough. The only other question I would have surrounding this is we we have at least a general idea that they're going to make some decision in the NFL in July. We'll see if that comes to fruition. If things continue down the path they're trending, maybe we won't get a decision until um, some more stuff happens in civil uh, the civil courtroom. But for now, we think July, and we... I think most of us, I should say, started with this opinion that there was going to be some suspension, probably four to six. Now it feels, as the public shifts here and more details come out, that the NFL is going to have to make an example here. It looks to me like I would start expecting 12 minimum. They could suspend him for the year. So you start thinking about Jacoby Brissett, and as you think about Jacoby Brissett, I start thinking about, how many reps is he getting in minicamp? How much time is he getting to prepare? And can they develop an offense that works for him, but also ends up working for Deshaun? And I, I, I'm, I'm curious about that. We've seen them run a lot of pistol stuff, just clips. It's maybe it's just the select clips we're seeing. I know Stefanski's offense. John Costco pointed out that they've run a whopping two, two snaps of pistol yeah. since Stefanski has run an offense in Minnesota. And now his time in Cleveland. I get that. But we're just looking at the tweaks. I, I, I think you can develop something similar uh, in terms of the shape of it, the scope of it. But it's certainly going to be, to me, a lot, a lot, a lot different. I just think I just think you can't. I mean, D- Jacoby is not an athlete. I mean, he's he's an athlete, but, but relative, he is not a mover. He is not a get out and move guy the way Deshaun is. So I, I'm a little concerned about 
you know, this developing offensive strategy, this moving identity and trying to fit Jacoby into that. And um, him also getting the time that is necessary because it is a situation. That's the, that's the big reason I hope we get it. A decision in July is, is we don't go into training camp wondering, and I don't think the NFL wants to do this. So I would be pretty stunned, but there needs to be a clear plan of who's going to play quarterback start the year. And then they, they need to develop how they're going to do it. I think you can do something similarly, but Jacoby definitely limits a lot of maybe the RPO game. They want to do some of the mobility things with quarterback they want to do. So I'll be interested to see how they balance that. Do you have any thoughts around that building something for Jacoby and kind of keeping it in line with what they want to be post that suspension? Yeah, I think um, if, you know, once that decision is made, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of challenge. Um, whether by Watson or whether by, uh, you know, the the Browns organization, I think they're anticipating what it is and we'll roll with it. I think that's, that's part of, you know, the the Browns plan on this. Um, I also think it's very obvious who that next quarterback will be behind Brissett and that's Dobbs. I remember some games historically with Dobbs in Pittsburgh that he would get, you know, some work uh, on third down or, or other things just coming in the game you know, a couple snaps. So I wonder if they do implement the RPO game and bring in Dobbs in that sense um, as kind of that rotator piece, especially late in a projected suspension time. Because the other thing that I think could be very interesting is that if Deshaun were to return during the regular season, now you're talking about a team potentially in week 12, like you alluded, week 13 or week 14, like you alluded to, um, where now they're returning you know, one of their best offensive football players uh, with no film and six games to go, right? So where where do the Browns sit in that situation or how can they perform and how much can they implement new? Because that that defensive coordinator who walks into that opposing room that week will, will have nothing, right? Uh, that game plan will dramatically shift. So I do think that Brissett, you know, those pistol looks, the quarterback threat at running um, changes because Brissett's as a runner is just going to be your goal line, push his face into the end zone, which is fine. That That's good. Mm-hmm. That works for me. But um, I think for some of those other looks, I'd be interested to see if Dobbs gets any preseason um, like rotation uh, quarterback rotation kind of thing. Um, almost by I committee they, for some yeah, of those. I think picks. they didn't they do that with like, just wasn't, wasn't this past year, but they brought him in for like five snaps. Right. And ran yeah. some, yeah. some read option stuff with him. So that's yeah, a good point. That is something they, they could do. They picked up, you know, seven and eight yards. I remember getting some frustrating third downs and being like, man, like, I don't know, like you game plan for this and then they still put you with it. Right. So mm-hmm. um, that that's something that I'm really intrigued by because they did go out and sign that second, you know, backup quarterback, right? Like that's intentional. I know they had um, the other one that was there for the rookie mini camp. They ultimately released him. But uh, Dobbs is a guy that, you know, is a veteran, would be a veteran if they chose to stash him on the practice squad um, to take up a veteran slot. But uh, a a guy that, you know, Deshaun's familiar with through Quincy Avery. Um, So I I wonder if there's some gadgeted looks being planned for in the future with that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Probably something that we haven't brought up um, on this pod is is the similarity there and and definitely – the decision to go out and sign somebody with NFL experience as your third quarterback probably does indicate, you know, what's coming. Not that they haven't always 
been in, you know, indications that they think they haven't been, I don't think they've been operating under the angle that they think the suspension's not coming. I don't think they're that, that, uh, oblivious. Right. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see what it shakes out to. I do think the, the idea of getting some things that you think are going to be a part of what you do with Deshaun there for Dobbs, if they, if they want to, to try to mix up how they approach things. Good stuff. I've been asking a lot of people. I asked, uh, who have I asked now? I've asked, Jared Mueller, this question I have asked Jack Duffin. I think I've gone into asking uh, a couple other guests too about, about who the next extension candidate is. We had an idea of all these guys that they ended up extending. Uh, Mayfield was, was the one that they obviously chose not to, uh, but they have uh, extended, you know, Joku and a lot of others. And you start looking ahead and the greedy draft doesn't necessarily yield a ton of guys. I think, Sione Takitaki is a sneaky. You're not going to spend much money on him, but he's a guy that's interesting to me. Who who is your who is your who? Give me your two guys you really would like to see given a second contract in Cleveland. Doesn't have to be big extensions, but you know some guys you think are are, are almost pseudo locks to to stick around here for another contract. It'd be the 19, 20, and 21 class, but the 19 class is really the next one up, and then you start looking at the 20 class. 21 is a huge projection at this point. Yeah, you, you pulled that name right out. Uh, I was going to go with Taki Taki, whose birthday was yesterday now. Um, I think he's a very interesting case, right? Has a very clear role for this team as a Sam linebacker um, who comes in, but still has some coverage ability, uh, but can still stand in front of a tight end, take the tight end head on uh, and, and control a gap or control an edge. And I think that's not a skill set that's replicated in this in this locker room to be shown yet. I know they drafted Tony Fields and have been moving him around and had a couple injuries last year. So uh, some in the draft process last year almost said he was JOK light. So that, that skill set is a little bit different than Taki Taki, different body types too. So I don't know. They just haven't taken a swing at a, at a guy like that since. And I think that's very interesting. Uh, like Barry says, he, he doesn't really pay for depth. And I think that's, an interesting portion of it and how they were drafted two linebackers last year and none this year. So Taki Taki would be my one and on a, on a short-term deal. The second um, I'm really interested to see how greedy performs on the perimeter. I think that he could very well play like he did last year, show health um, and ultimately would price himself out of Cleveland and Cleveland did invest significantly in a, in a development plan for that room this off season with a mm. cornerback pick there. So I don't know if that contract comes here, um, but I think he's going to be a very solid player that the Browns could see to undraft or unrestricted free agency, which is something that they haven't done for quite some time to have a significant player that could almost get like a Chadarius Ward, um, Chadarius Ward contract uh, from Kansas city going to the 49ers this year ultimately came out to be like $11 million a year. So um, if they're going to play that cap pick game with these extensions with so many quality players picking up huge contracts next year for the Browns, uh, I, I, I really am interested to see how they run that third cornerback spot and how they deploy Greg Newsom across that defense because it's going to tell you a lot about where, the, where that money lies in the secondary moving forward. Yeah, I think their decision with, with Greg and what they ultimately do with him, like you said, it, do, it does give us – Hey, this is what their plan is. Whatever that plan is, whether they they see a future with greedy or not, 
You know, maybe maybe Greedy just plays adequately and there's a one-year deal or a two-year deal that can be made. I'm not sure. But, you know, neither of these extensions or whatever they look like, I'm not sure, you know, ultimately what it looks like, especially a weird contract, which would be what Taki Taki would get because he's he's uh, he's not a huge contributor. But I think what he does, he's really good at and, and is useful. Special teams body, too. It does get to be interesting. The, the, the next big money extension decision, obviously, I think, is jed right you know mm-hmm. that's the yeah. that's the big name that's the big money position he's got a lot to prove we've, we've had that answer from several people um but that's good i mean i think greedy is a guy that you could see move on and play somewhere else and the ward contract comparison is a great one and i i don't know i i think there's a lot of guessing going on here does aj green develop to become a piece that they think they can keep for cheaper yeah. you know i think i think you're sort of spot on here with Emerson is is a guy you draft to replace Greedy. Maybe Greedy becomes something more than what people view him as because when he's been healthy, he's been a respectable corner. And if he puts another right. respectable year in place, he's gonna there's gonna be demand. There's just not enough defensive back play across the NFL. Right. So that's uh that's a great answer. Great answer. So Taki Taki, one that we've not discussed enough, but would love to keep around Cleveland. Greedy might be good enough to play himself out of Cleveland, which is, you know, probably a good outcome for everybody. Greedy can get paid from right. somebody. Cleveland can get something in return. And another good year of play from him would be fantastic to receive. So anyway, Marcus, man, listen, great conversation. Good stuff, man. Really appreciate uh, the banter and, 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 and going back and forth on these things, which are not the most fun topic sometimes, but have to hit on them. And I, I think, I think you did a great job and I appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. Check out members. Check out the Twitch show that we have coming, the Mailbag Show, on Thursday. That will be an interesting episode, depending on the questions. I'm not sure what the questions will look like. We'll do our best with keeping those as as on topic, on brand, about what we want to talk about for this upcoming season as possible. Hopefully you guys do join us. Uh, Otherwise, check out the OBR. We have some good content coming. We're going to continue to look at quarterback play, probably something up on Brissett to start preparing for what that player will look like in this offense and uh, the scope of everything they can do to help him. Uh, it might be a heavy dosage. I, could, I guess I could see why they maybe kept Dearness Johnson because they just want to run three running backs like crazy. Just a ton of carries all year. We'll see what shakes out. Anyway, thanks for joining today's episode, guys. Should be back with John Colosimo on Friday. Appreciate your support of this podcast, the Twitch, and the website. As usual, have a great Thursday. Go Browns! Go Browns!